fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> Hey, this is Sharks Across Hollywood, and this is going to be the last episode of Halloween time, but it's not going to be out by Halloween because I have no steam left. I have no gas in the tank, so they'll come out eventually, so you'll get to revisit Spooky Time in November at some point. This is not our finest autumn season, but, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're all going through some shit, and we're, we're going to get it back together. We're going to bring it back together for the fan. Are we? Eventually, I'll start releasing episodes like on a regular basis on some kind of schedule at some point. But oh my god. My brain cannot handle life. I don't know what the fuck. So it's it's the last week of Halloween, and so we're it's the Shark Pod tradition to talk about a Halloween movie. Literally, a Halloween movie. Uh, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. It is named as such because apparently the production was so fucking problematic that they're just like, fuck it, it's not Halloween 6, it's Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Fuck it seems to be have been the word of the day on this movie because as many cuts and story decisions that seem to have been resolved with the attitude of fuck it let's just do this is frustrating specifically like probably the most important arc that has happened over the past three films the thorn thing yeah they didn't know who it was so they literally just said how about this guy like what you didn't have a plan for what yeah like you started that back in four are you saying nobody took notes and was like and and had a direction that this thing was headed like nobody why even do that Jason doesn't have a fucking cult following him. Just, just have Michael kill people. It's a dumb movie, anyways. You could, you could have just made it like, oh, every time somebody new moves into that house, they get murdered by Michael, and then people keep on moving in, whatever, and he kills them all. Honestly, you, you could have just come up with an idea for the cult that didn't need a lot of explanation, you know. But like the, the oh, the cult shit was handled so poorly, and the Jamie shit was handled so poorly. Oh and boy, the Doctor Loomis ending was handled so poorly. And, I mean, everything <laughs> is fucking wrong with this movie. And then, whose brilliant fucking idea was it to cast Paul Rudd as the insane creep of the movie? Well, he wasn't the Paul Rudd that we ended up knowing in the early two thousands, and he's definitely not the Ant Man Paul Rudd. I understand that, but he had already done and absolutely killed it in Clueless. No, he hadn't. This was made before Clueless? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm all right. I'm completely backwards on that then because I'm watching this going, how the fuck did they see him in Clueless and go, (laughs) yeah, he should be the guy who looks like he's going to molest that baby when he walks it out of the hospital. I saw that in the trivia, and I'm like, I knew they came out around the same time, but I think this was shot first. Did Clues, Clues might have came out first, come out first. Okay, all right. That might have been what was throwing me off. But yeah, because his performance fuck. is rough. He's making he's choices. So, well, I mean, he's clearly trying to do something there, but he is not playing to his strengths. Obviously, as we have come to know over the last 30 years, he's Paul, clearly... Paul Rudd is great. Right. I mean, he's like Paul Rudd and everything, but yeah, he pretty much just plays that version of like, like, you know what you're getting when you cast Paul Rudd as a character. But like he we've seen him get intense. He he can do stuff like an Ant-Man. He has to be kind of a badass a little. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. But he always he always approaches it within his strengths, you yeah. know, and in this one. Oh, my God. It 
I would recommend watching this movie just for that, just to see Paul Rudd as a, a creepy incel, because that's what he is. He's an incel before incels. Before they tried to make the peeping Tom charming in uh, American Beauty. Yeah, he was, no, he was a, he was a 21st century incel back before they hit the mainstream. So, <laughs> there's a when reason. He, when he walked, the hunch he has to his shoulders and the mania in his gaze when he's walking through that hospital with that baby i mean he like i said he really is trying to do something i have to give him credit for trying but he is failing yeah horrifically the character he's succeeding at being the creepiest fucking character in the movie creepier than michael myers (laughs) well michael's pretty fucking useless in this movie let's be honest this is definitely the death of michael myers from an icon standpoint like he looks okay he's not he doesn't look like the dude with the shoulder pads and whatever one that was which was funny he and he doesn't he doesn't have that weird like swan neck look from five so i'm i mean i'm i'm fine with the look but he he's just fucking he's just a he's a prop yeah he's a prop he shows up and kills a couple people but like it doesn't there's like one good kill sequence in this movie and and he deserves it. I imagine you're talking about that one. No, I'm not. Oh, talking you're about not. That oh shit. I'm talking about the mom. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I thought the mom had a good chase and kill sequence. The dad, oh, he deserved it. And the kill itself was good, but the stock, like, there was nothing to it. He just appears in the shadows behind him. The chase sequence with the mom, though, that was some vintage Michael Myers. That was what I wanted this movie to be, and it was not at all. Yeah. What happened? Because like. The first four movies are good. Like, I mean, three doesn't technically count, but I mean, I guess it kind of does because they start to keep talking about Celtic symbols and all sorts of weird shit and pagan rituals and stuff. But by the time five hit, like, like that had that had to be Daniel Harris's like worst performance in her entire career. Yeah, not really probably. her fault. She was like ten. Yeah, no, I, I'm not blaming Danielle Harris for that. But she she has proven she has the chops if the director has the ability to give her a direction to go. Danielle Harris is not the problem in that movie. No. It's the boring. The problem. It's boring. Oh yeah. my god, it was boring. This I watched it last year, like shortly after we, like shortly after I watched it five, I guess. And I'm like, wow, this one was actually pretty fun. But I know why I thought that because five was so fucking boring. Anything would have been more exciting. And then I watch it again this time. I'm like, this is really shitty. What the fuck? And then of course, of course, it's a director argued with the studio because the studio thinks they fucking know everything and they know nothing and this the director didn't even know what the fuck he was doing i'm pretty sure that's they should, fairly obvious yeah they should just not have made this i am curious <laughs> to watch the producer's cut i have not watched Me too, it now yet. i heard it had a cooler ending i've only watched the theatrical but i've watched the theatrical twice and it gets worse with every viewing not better <laughs> like just like you said you know like last year watched it like okay this is all right this is kind of fun and i will say there are good things about this movie there are things i can say that i didn't hate about this movie one of them is if you watch it from the standpoint of it being a bad movie it's pretty fun like you could mystery science theater this thing all day long all on based on paul rudd mostly i mean you could you could do an entire mystery science theater just on paul rudd but like the decisions that the filmmakers are making all across the board on this are terrible so i think the first issue started when they did when they had the original cut and you know who they screened it for a bunch of 14 year olds oh and then they're like oh i don't like the ending which apparently had donald pleasance doing something cool and getting murdered with like a bunch of pagan symbols and stuff and so it had like jesus i want to see that cut me too but they're like, that sounds way better. Yeah. They they gave Donald Pleasant. That was almost like a fuck you to Donald Pleasant's that ending. And then in memory of Donald Pleasant's, right. like, was that a diss? So what they, is going on here? They went back and reshot a bunch of stuff and then ended up 
cutting a bunch of stuff out so the movie's just a mess it doesn't make sense and i'm like yes it is i have no fucking idea what the hell's going on but they couldn't reshoot a bunch of donald pleasant stuff because he had died already so he dies off screen this movie really sucks <laughs> i was really sad oh my god there's a reason they rebooted this shit and pretended like four five and six just didn't happen they couldn't pretend three didn't happen because it doesn't take place in the same universe yeah so they they basically had to go back to two with halloween 20 years and later then they fuck it up again and they're like oh shit let's just give it to rob zombie and let him redo the whole thing and then he fucked it up again <laughs> And then they're like, you know what? I think we're just going to let comedians make movies now. Make horror <laughs> movies. Because it's Danny McBride uh, as a producer on that Halloween 2018 movie. And co-writer. He co-wrote And co-writer. That. And it actually fared pretty well. That movie's pretty good. But then that, that, one, great. that one ignores everything after the first movie. It, apparently, John Carpenter really approves. He, he said uh, David Gordon Green, who directed those movies, is one of his favorite directors now. And, it, and it's more of the same. It's more of what you want. It's not quite as good as the first one, in my opinion. Like, you know, the, the first one's just, it's, it's classic. I think it's more enjoyable by, by, mo- by modern, modern yeah. standards. It's more enjoyable just because, yeah, like like the original Halloween is is so archaic in its, like, the the, the medium has evolved. And oh, obviously lot, yeah. it hasn't because it was made in 1974. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw it came was out made in 78. In, Texas Chainsaw was made in 74. That's, I, I always get those two mixed up. Please don't tell me Texas Chainsaw came out in like 76 or something. Okay, 74. I thought it was 76 for some reason, but yeah, 74. <laughs> okay, I just had to check to make sure that <laughs> which one of us was fucking right. But this one, oh, Jesus. Oh, where to, where to begin? I mean, right out, right off the bat, right off the bat, we're supposed to believe that this, this woman who would not get carded at a club is supposed to be 15-year-old Danielle Harris's character. Well, yeah, because it, it, it takes place in 95. Halloween's been shut down and the city will learn later since 1989. So the first thing we actually hear slash see is, Michael, please don't hurt me. And then seizure-inducing lights. Oh, my God. It wasn't even 1999 yet. What the fuck were they doing? <laughs> uh, that that That's one of the good things I'll say about this movie. Not that specifically, but it does bring to mind one of the good things I'll say about this movie, which is, while the editing... His, has some problems. His ass. The editing is not good. <laughs> the lighting and the the scene composition, I liked a lot. That's because the director knew what he was doing, but couldn't actually do what he wanted to do because the studio's like, "Hey, you should do this instead." But the problem, there's a story. There's a major fucking story problem. That's that's where it all starts. Well, that and that is that that is. They said that he was made to cut out a bunch of other stuff too. That made it. Oh, okay. Rough when he when they did the reshoots. Well, but. All right, right from frame, not frame one, but um, scene one, again, they cast a woman who would not get carded in a club as 15-year-old Danielle they Harris. They are actually the same age, though. She's only a year older than Danielle Harris. No fucking yeah. way. Okay, so so let, let's talk about her right now. So, Are you serious? Yes. That, that girl was 16 <laughs> years old. I think so, yes. I, I do not believe it for a second. She was played by J.C. Brandy, uh, born in 1975, so hang on. Okay, so right there, she's older than I was, and I was 17. She's four years older than I was. She's 21. They say, over the radio broadcast, I, the radio broadcast, you remember, this, the, this is very prominent in the movie for the, for the listening audience. The radio broadcasts are to bring us up to speed, apparently. She was nine years old in Halloween 5, that, and, and that she, you know, disappeared after the massacre at the uh, at the sheriff's department. And it's been six years since then, which means she's 15 years old. This woman does not look 15 at all. 
Well, that that is also true. Okay, so Daniel Harris is two years younger than her. She was born in seventy seven. So Daniel Harris was eighteen when this was made. How fucking old was she? Well, she she was eighteen when it came out. When it was shot, she was it was set. She was seventeen. So the issue, she was originally cast kind of they wanted an 18 year old actress so they could just work and not have to go to school and do all sorts of shit it's fair but i don't i saw i saw it in the trivia again so i don't know exactly how it worked but apparently daniel harris went through a lot of work to get herself emancipated at 17 years old because she wanted to do this movie and she did all the legal stuff to make it happen she got emancipated and then she asked for five thousand dollars to be in the movie to color the leak cover to cover the legal fees that she accrued while doing all the steps necessary to make it so she could be in the movie and they're like no and then they cast somebody else over five thousand dollars yeah oh my god i want to find whoever made that decision and kick them right in the dick because they definitely have a dick there's no and she would have been what that yeah that's that's years more of experience. She would have been a hundred times better than she was in that last movie. Yeah. Because she is. She's fucking great. She had been in Boy Meets World at this point, and she was great in that episode. That's really my only my only basis for comparison at this point, because I know I've seen her in other stuff around that time, but I don't remember. Honestly, it doesn't matter, because you've seen her in four. She was amazing yeah. in four. Acting is not the problem. She was just going to be better by the time with more experience by the time she got there. That That is fucking frustrating as hell. And then eventually the two of the two actresses be- met and became friends. And JC, what the fuck's her face that I forgot her name already because I'm not looking at it. Apparently she was not treated very well on set because of the fact that she wasn't Daniel Harris and everybody was kind of pissed. Oh my God. That's rough. I, she's not. It's the problem isn't that. No, she's fine. She's, she's actually doing fine. a bad job. No, she's she's fine not doing a bad job. She's doing a fine job with what she was given. The problem is they cast the wrong person and. They did her dirty. Like, they killed her right out the gate. Fuck you. Yeah, and it's not even that great of a death. It's, like, kind of cool and kind of gross, but it's, yeah. It, 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 no, it's just weak. It, it was just a weak sauce opening, and and then it leads to a weak movie. I'm pretty sure Michael. weak ending. I'm pretty sure Michael impregnated her, though, even though he's her uncle. They never say. In, I'm just I'm, assuming by the, don't hurt me, Michael, at the beginning. This movie is not right, you know? This movie is symptomatic of 90s horror, which took itself too seriously. It had lost a sense of fun, and uh, it, w- it was trying to compensate for the waning interest in horror by being darker and more serious. And that I think that's the reason that Scream, I mean, aside from the fact that Scream is brilliantly written, aside from those things, like... Like, that's why movies like Scream hit the zeitgeist so well is because horror had started taking itself so seriously up to that point. Like, I mean, look at what they're doing with this movie. And it it actually it, it's really trying to take itself seriously. Whereas like in four, it had like a playfulness and a sense of fun to it still, you know, like it, it was scary and they did the horror, but they also had fun with it. This one, there's no fun being had with this. Maybe that was my problem, and I just didn't quite realize it. I'm like, they're trying to make Michael scary. He's not fucking scary. He's, like, plodding along. He was literally right next... Paul Rudd get, gets Kara... Kara's the main character in the movie, by the way. Gets her... The final girl, if you will. Gets her out of that fucking cell she's and who in. I, who I really like, by the way. I actually... Yeah, she she's did pretty one good. Of the, she's one of the choices in this movie that was absolutely right. He was two inches away from them and missed... <laughs> It's so stupid. No, and then there's the and then there's the scene in the house when she's backing out of the room and Michael's Michael's coming he's at her. He's right there. And he slams the door. 
and you think, okay, so he slammed the door. He's going to come around behind her or something. No, he then waits 12 seconds, opens the door <laughs> back up, and comes after her. And he didn't even go get a weapon or something because he then grabs a weapon off of something that he finds on the way to her. It's the stupidest fucking, like, get-out-of-jail-free card that I've seen used in one of these movies. <laughs> The whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, okay, I think I know what the problem was. Like, obviously, studio interference made everybody care so fucking little. These are all one, maybe two takes. I can almost uh, guarantee that there's, except, you know, Donald Pleasance can get it done in one because he's fucking Donald Pleasance. But. Yeah, Donald Pleasance is doing fine. Donald Pleasance is also not the problem here. Even the even the guy who plays, you know, the, the cult guy, it's, he's he's fine. He's not He's not the problem either. It's like the, the the scripting is so bad and the editing is so bad. The acting is pretty good all around. The, the only one I would say I, I really had a problem with was the Walmart brand Biff Tannen who plays <laughs> the dad. I had that exact same thought. I'm like, he kind of <laughs> looks like Biff, but he's not like he's not. And he's, he's not like, as good at being an asshole as no, he is. <laughs> no, he's 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 a really poor imitation of Biff. It's hard to beat one of the best bad guys in cinema history, really, but especially of the '80s. Like, come on. Yeah, it, what it looks like is it looks like Biff did some hard drinking for about ten years. Didn't get didn't get Lorraine, but got one of her annoying friends. Yeah, and, <laughs> and hates really and resents it. her for it. <laughs> Just resents her for it. Yeah, and the, and like started the family and stuff. The and the, but then the problem with that is if you think about that logically, why wasn't Lori more fucked up? Because she was raised by this guy. No, that's that's the dude's brother. Oh wait, I thought yeah. this was the family that adopted him. No, it well she they're they're related to. Oh, to this her. is the yeah. brother of yeah. the guy who adopted. Oh, okay. See, I was completely misunderstanding that. I was like, this guy is so out of left field. Like, why why was Lori so well adjusted and yeah. and this guy's this guy's whole family's fucked up so the whole first scene by the way is basically jamie giving birth to this cult baby we don't know who the dad is but there's like nurses around and i one of my notes was so the cult just has like regular ass doctors just hanging out with them <laughs> apparently i mean we, we end up finding out later that the cult is run by a doctor so he yes. apparently recruits from within the hospital or whatever but one of the doctors is like you could tell when she she grabs the baby from Jamie and she hands it off to one of the dudes in black. She's not quite all the way with it. She yeah. doesn't want to be involved. And I don't think she's a cult member. I think she's like hired help and she's not on board with this thing because she ends up. Uh, what the fuck? I'm going to hire you to deliver works. our cult baby and take it from the mother. <laughs> like if they were able to recruit the woman who lived across the street from Michael, you'd think they'd be able to recruit an RN, right? I would assume so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are enough people out there who are just in it for the money. Right before we meet Paul Rudd's character, which we'll we'll tell you about him in a minute, there's this lingering shot on this naked fucking baby for way too long. <laughs> and they're like drawing the, the thorn symbol on him. But this is naked baby. His dick is just on screen for fucking forever. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to have something to say about that or not. Because I did think it was funny. I was like... <laughs> That is something you would never see now. And I wasn't really paying attention until this time around. I'm just kind of like watching, taking notes. I'm like, okay, cut, cut, maybe <laughs> cut. And the whole, it's just a fucking baby. <laughs> and the whole time Paul Rudd is narrating about what happened and, you know, back in 78. God, Paul Rudd's narration. Jesus. Paul Rudd makes some choices where I, I made some notes about some of the choices that he makes. Like I, I have to respect the fact that he is 
he's making genuinely choice. making choices. <laughs> yeah, it's not like he doesn't look like he sleepwalked onto this set and just did like like a good example of what he's not doing is like what Johnny Depp wasn't doing in Nightmare on Elm Street. Just kind of existing in the yeah, space. Yeah, like Johnny Depp didn't seem to be really doing anything from a performance standpoint. He wasn't he wasn't doing anything to make that character his own. Paul Rudd came in with a plan. Paul Rudd came in and and was like he knew where he was taking this character. He's consistent throughout the movie. He is this character. I just don't understand why the director agreed to let him go that direction with and, it. and at least because of who he is he has a little bit of a reason to be kind of weird yeah yeah there, there's definitely that i i don't know i guess it they just chose the wrong actor for this one he's making the choices but he he doesn't sell that mania like if it was brad dorif making those same oh my choices, god i would be a hundred percent on board because brad dorif can sell that mania they should have just cast just... him even though he was like fucking 40 <laughs> But there are actors who can do that, you know, and there are actors who that's just not their thing. And Paul Rudd is one of those actors. He's trying something here and he is and I applaud him for the effort, but he fails to his credit. He learned from the experience and did not do a similar character after this. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him act this way after this. It's more it's basically like clueless. And then he just kind of does that. Yeah, he learned what his strengths were. He learned what he's good at, what he can sell. And, you know, he plays within that field. I would really like to know whose idea it was if it was him. I'm going to talk like a 1930s actor. <laughs> I would say it. it's probably they were probably going for someone with autism, you know, like 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 they were trying to they were trying to to indicate that he was on the, the autism spectrum. But maybe before that was well understood, they were just like modeling it on characters that they had seen or people they had seen who were on the autism spectrum and who fit within <laughs> that. You know, that that obsessive realm before we really dive deep into the actual story of what's going on. That doctor who seemed kind of timid and not not quite so into it helps Jamie escape with the baby from yes. this little cult basement. And then is immediately murdered by Michael in one of the most uncompelling kills that is actually kind of freaky if you think about it. But There's still just a... manages to be undersold. Why is there a spike on the wall? What the fuck? Why? Just Isn't this case. a hospital or, or like it was once? Yeah, I mean, I realize it's like a sanitarium or something like that, but isn't that even more of a reason not to have random spikes on the fucking walls? Yeah, so she gets impaled. And yeah, she sure. does. And, and that's a freaky kill, but it's completely wasted on the director. And then Jamie escapes in a truck uh, that she steals from this dude who kind of looks like kind of looks like Ogre from uh, that one college frat party movie. Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Yes. Actually, that was the guy I was thinking of. It's not him. No, it's not. But it looks like him. How does he die? Does his head get crushed or does no, Michael, Michael rip it in half? No, Michael snaps his neck. Snap, snaps his neck? Yep. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll believe you. I don't, I don't Michael know. Michael just steps out from behind the semi, grabs him, snaps his neck to the side. Because I swear to God, dead. it was like, maybe it was just his wet hair and I just couldn't see very well. And then we're going to cut to the Strode house and Danny hears voices. Oh, He's yeah, got the that's shine. Right. That's and this, right. And this also amounts to nothing. Uh, and he likes Power Rangers. Because this was 1995. Power Rangers Every were fucking huge. Every kid liked Power Rangers. 1995. Kara is his mom. She is our resident final girl. She finds some drawings of the thorn symbol. She doesn't know what it means. Danny has drawn them. There's some pretty heavy handed shit in this. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> she uh, She's in her bedroom getting dressed, undressed, sorry. And then she must sense something. Maybe she has to shine too. I don't know. Because Paul Rudd is peeping and watching her from across the street because he has a perfect view into her window. Yeah. Which will uh, come, in to, come in handy later, but still. And Paul Rudd is just 
bringing the creep energy <laughs> to this scene. And every single character in this entire movie is listening to the exact same radio station at the exact same time. Yeah, apparently there's only one radio station in Haddonfield at this point. And it's a national radio station. Is it? Is it is national? Why I got the feeling. Well, okay. maybe it's not national. Maybe it maybe it is a regional thing. Oh, you know what? They're close to Chicago. It's probably a Chicago oh, station. Illinois, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Paul Rudd decides his name it's Tommy. It's fucking Tommy. Okay, it's Tommy Doyle, yeah, it's the little Tommy. kid for, I'm gonna I'm gonna quit calling him Paul Rudd. Maybe I'm not, I don't know. This radio DJ guy is a fucking tool, by the way. He's talking about this Halloween party that's gonna happen. Just fucking low rent wannabe Howard Stern. And I hate fucking Howard Stern anyways, so yeah. Yeah. I I don't I don't love Howard Stern, but I have to recognize Howard Stern has certain abilities. Like he is a good interviewer. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But I just don't like but the this, content. But, but he he spawned this legion of people who wanted who are trying to be Howard Stern and didn't have that interviewing skill. They they all they could do is 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 be a misogynistic douche. And Which he was, like but he was, was like at least charismatic about it. Yeah, like he, like <laughs> he he brought this kind of playful energy to the misogynistic douche thing, and his his audience is like core audience is like all the misogynistic douches. But like he he was kind of having this fun, and he has this way of putting people at ease within that spectrum. These guys are are just the guys who you genuinely are like, hey, you you left your drink near him, don't don't finish that. Like every one of these. De- disc jockeys who imitates howard stern is just like don't don't leave any don't leave anyone you know alone in a room with that guy this is another guy where i'm like god he cannot die soon enough yeah absolutely the i mean obviously the the dad is has the biggest uh please kill me energy in the movie but this guy is a close second so he's taking calls about he's talking about there hasn't been halloween in in haddonfield in six years because of shit that happened in 1989 and all that and we know we were there we saw the movie and then some lady calls and goes i want to fuck michael myers and he's like well why don't you just fuck Dahmer?" and i'm like can't gay and <laughs> i think he was still alive at that point but still why are you being weird do you remember that or were you too young for that because that was an era when serial killers were going through this this serial killer celebrity phase. I do not actively remember it, but I know that it was a thing. I'm like, good yeah. lord, you guys are fucking weird. I mean, obviously, the the culmination of that was Natural Born Killers. You know, where where it finally got addressed on a in a cinematic way, seriously. Like it's all about the glamorization of serial killers, and it. I mean, it it's satire, so it does it by glamorizing serial killers. You know intriguing I, d- I didn't know i thought it was just like violence for the sake of being violent and i've never really no, heard anybody talk about it the much. the 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 social commentary in that movie is very very apparent once you watch it and that's the great irony of it is that everybody was like it's glamorizing these serial killers the whole point of the movie is that the media is already glamorizing serial killers and it all started with geraldo doing the manson interview and uh, geraldo's full of shit and he needs to stop <laughs> Except why, for when he's in Shark Tank. Yeah, I was going to say, awesome. you know what, why don't, Geraldo, why don't you get together with the Asylum and start making, start bringing that energy to some of their movies, and I'd be on board with it. I would watch every one of them. So after that lady gets off the phone, he's like, what the fuck, why are all these people so weird, you freaks? Because he's actively asking, you know, he he's going to, that's his whole career. Like, Yeah, I love the way he's ranting about it, like it's not what his job depends on, yeah. is these nutballs coming, calling in and saying weird shit on his show. And then Tommy calls him and we cut to Paul Rudd and he's got he's like got this giant wall tape recorder thing going on. (laughs) 
and there's like newspaper clippings and pictures and shit. There's no yarn, I don't think, is there? Is there stuff like connecting? I, I don't think there's any yarn. It's so it, he's not full crazy yet. But he's he's got the wall of headlines that you expect to see in that. His character is really just a stock character from like you know the the movie the movie lexicon handbook of. <laughs> the the crazed conspiracy theorist there's not really any extra work that's being put in by the filmmakers on this no. end it's just that except for we're lending credence to the crazy conspiracy theorist because he's absolutely right the entire yeah time. yeah <laughs> that's that's the the film's great contribution because yeah. he, he calls this guy and he's like yeah i know what's gonna happen michael's coming back tonight but he's saying it like michael's coming back tonight like, he's talking like he's in a 50s movie, and my next note is, why is he talking like that? <laughs> like, what is he doing? Yeah, and it's not Paul Rudd's natural cadence, so you know it's not something he just did. No, it, it was something that he was like, I'm going to do this thing. And, and the, apparently the, whole the movie. director was like, all right, yeah, this is a great choice, Paul. Definitely do that. He probably didn't care any. <laughs> That's possible. And Paul and again, Rudd gets cast like, like three weeks in, they finally start shooting Paul Rudd's stuff. And at that point, the studio's already reamed him <laughs> so hard that he has lost all interest in making a movie. It has to be so- It has to be something. Like, there's no way. Well, maybe there is a way. But I, I assume there's no way a guy could be like, I want to be a director and then just kind of shit it out. Like, even Ed Wood did that, but he was, like, passionate about it. I have to come back to the movie does look good, although the editing is bad. The The cinematography, maybe it was that they got a great cinematographer who oh, was maybe, like, yeah you know like slumming it for this movie or something or maybe maybe it was a cinematographer who loved the previous halloween movies and was like yeah i want to be part of that his that history and so jumped onto this movie not realizing what a giant turd it was going to turn out to be they got a good cinematographer so they couldn't afford to pay daniel harris five thousand dollars <laughs> that's it but the cinematography's solid billy dixon is the cinematographer what has billy dixon done aside from halloween the curse of michael myers it's very 90s. I should say that to the audience. The cinematography in this movie is super 90s in the way, you know, like if, if you're thinking of like the craft, it would fit right in there with that. But it's it, it's in a good way. I, I like the cinematography in this movie. So much TV. Ally McBeal. One Tree Hill. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, he directed he directed episodes of that shit. A movie called Night Force. Codename Zebra. A movie called Grotesque. The Magic Boys Easter of... All I can think of when I hear grotesque is uh, the the movies that Gene Hackman's character and Get Shorty directed. Two TV movies about this this Desperado thing. I don't know what it is. Desperado, The Outlaw Wars, Desperado, Badlands, Justice. Lots of TV movies, lots of crappy action movies. Hey, a Pierce Brosnan movie, uh, Victim of Love. Knight Rider 2000 TV movie. Wow. Um. Okay, so this guy, this guy's just been doing... Uh... TV stuff, and then he stumbled into a Halloween movie. Maybe it was such a bad experience for him. He was like, "Fuck it, I'm going back to TV." Uh, yeah. Uh, so Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, TV movie, TV movie, TV series, TV movie, TV series, TV series. A lot of Ally McBeal going on for this guy. He 104 episodes he did of Ally McBeal. Yeah, there's a lot of dicks in Halloween. Dick Warlock. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so I don't know why the movie looks as good as it does. Like, obviously, the guy has had practice. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a hard-working cinematographer there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's It's got a real 90s aesthetic that I I enjoyed, coupled with the over-seriousness of the whole thing uh, didn't end up working at all, sadly. 
Loomis is still alive, by the way, and he doesn't have a scar. He has like one little line yeah. across <laughs> that, his face, that, and I can't that even burning see burning the whole side of his face. It eventually became just a little. He's also listening to this radio station, but we'll get back to that in a minute. This guy named Wynn comes to visit him in his countryside home where he is. So this is the hip young shock jock station that the kids are listening to. And apparently but it's Loomis also just, yeah. the, the 90-year-old <laughs> doctor is listening to it as well, huh? And he, he gets mentioned on the radio station, too. And they're like, oh, where is he? Is he dead? He's like, no, I'm not dead. Just very much retired. But it's Donald Pleasance and his crazy, craziest. Like, he's his performance is kind of weird. Oh, yeah. No, this, this I feel like like Pleasance had probably retired at this point, and but he was uh, still showing up to work for some reason. And so that's why <laughs> that's why they uh, introduced him that way, is because he was like, "No, I'm done with movies, but I came back for this piece of shit." We cut to Jamie. She's back at she's at the most dark and desolate bus station I've ever seen. There's like nobody there, nobody there, and not, all the not lights are the, out. Yeah, not even the clerk. He says he'll be but back the, in twenty minutes, but why is he? But the doors are unlocked. So, yeah, and and apparently they're still making announcements, though we do not hear them during Jamie's sequence. If okay, I, I was wondering correctly. if I just missed that, because... I don't remember hearing any bus announcements. Yeah, me either. Uh, she uses a payphone, there you go, payphone, that's 90s, to call someone, but emergency services are all busy, yikes, and, and the radio... A, it's a rotary payphone. Is it really? Yes. Oh my god, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> uh, th- their radio station is also playing inside this fucking tr- bus station, whatever, and she hears the number, so she calls them instead, and she's like, oh my god, I'm Jamie Lloyd, and I need Dr. Loomis and all that shit, and of course, Dr. Loomis... She doesn't She doesn't say her name. She's just like, he's coming, he's coming, and he's like, oh, let me guess, your name is Joan, Joan of Arc, and you're hearing voices. The lights go out in the place. Of course, Jamie's hiding from Michael in the bus station. She escapes through the window, whatever. Back in the stolen truck, but this time Michael's chasing her in a fucking rape van. <laughs> Which, where he just pulled this from. Nobody knows, because the editing in this movie sucks. They probably cut out something. And keeping in mind, Jamie is 15. She's been in captivity since she was 9. And yet, she has no problem hopping in and just driving like stunt driving a truck away well neither did michael in the first movie oh oh wait that's right they have this they have the psychic link she's pulling oh, from yeah. michael's from michael's driving ability but then she forgot that he can see everywhere she goes why does danny have the psychic he's not even actually related to them yeah that doesn't really make much sense well he's the thorn child but then if he's the thorn child then why do they need the baby where the fuck did he come from? Do, was there and Michael's some, still alive, and he was the thorn child. Was there something cut out of this to about who Danny's dad is? Maybe. Because Kara, Kara disappeared for five years. Not yeah. disappeared, but... Yeah, like we should... We, theoretically, there should be something in that backstory that leads us to understand why Danny has the, the gift, you know? Uh, there's no baby, by the way. Jamie has no baby. She left it at the train station or the bus station or whatever. Yeah, station. she hid it. She hid. She hid this this baby, this newborn baby who was literally born hours ago and has not been fed yet. I was gonna say I made a note about that. I'm like nobody feeds this baby. Like literally nobody. I. So she stowed this baby in a cupboard, and the baby just remained silent for apparently the 12 hours it took Paul Rudd's character to show up at the bus station yeah. and find it. Very well-behaved baby. I guess that's magic thorn baby. Oh, that's true. It's the thorn baby. So, yeah, it has the... It, it's drawing on Michael's full belly. Or maybe it's inbred, because it's probably Michael's kid. I mean, this movie has already fucked Jamie in, in the worst way. Like, <laughs> it doesn't need to fuck her that way, too. And I love Jamie. Come on. Four? Get the fuck out of here. I love that. And then five, I... 
I even loved her in that piece of shit. Cookie Woman. She's dead. Oh, God, Cookie Woman. That's she's right. This is the scene where she dies. She gets impaled on some stuff, and then he turns it on, and it like spins oh, around. Oh, oh yeah, it's like yeah. it's like some kind of like grass cutter or something, but it's like on these spikes with these blades that are going. Maybe or maybe it's like a, a like a like a hedge trimmer type of a situation or something. It's farm equipment, and I'm a city boy. I don't know what the fuck that shit. Anyway, is. he turns it on, and it starts going like a chainsaw that's already stuck through her. And oh man, poor Jamie. But fuck it, we don't have to deal with her anymore, she's dead as shit. So now we cut to the Strode house. Dad, he's not happy about kids, like, playing Halloween pranks on him and, like, putting signs out with with stabby killer guys who look more like Jason than Michael Myers, saying, like, he's coming home or whatever the fuck the sign said. It, it was actually a good shot. That that shot is in the trailer, and I remember it from being a kid and thinking, oh, that's actually... That's actually pretty scary. And yeah, it's just kind of a throwaway actually in the movie. It yeah. doesn't actually get a chance to be scary. But when they when they use it in the trailer, it actually set the tone pretty well for the trailer. And then he chops it down with Chekhov's axe. Yep. <laughs> when I'm pretty sure he could have just like took it out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it was, was on awfully a little, dramatic. <laughs> it was on a little fucking stake. He could have just walked out, grabbed it, pulled it up and walked it around to the garbage. Yeah, so he... He still has that stake buried in his lawn now, only yeah, now it's right? harder to get out. And he's like, oh, damn, kids, fucking get out. Like, oh, God. So then we learn that Kara and Danny, they live with they live with her family now. Her dad is a piece of work, or shit, whatever. He doesn't want Kara there. He's like, oh, this bitch, she fucking leaves for five years and she just comes back and we're supposed to welcome her with open arms. You know what? Well, hey, wifey, why don't you just give her all of our money? And he throws money at oh, And he's God. insulting his grandchild to his... Yeah, he's like, especially that little bastard. Like, Jesus, dude. And then Kara's like, the only bastard here is you. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And she stands up, he slaps her across the face. And then he looks down as he's like chastising her and being a dick. And there's a knife like pointed right at his balls. It's young Danny. And I'm like, Danny, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there was a single person <laughs> watching this movie going, no, Danny, don't. Yeah, no shit. And she, her brother also lives there. So it's just like a, a cavalcade of over 18 children still living at home. Fucking get the fuck out of here. Oh, I think he was supposed to be like in high school or something like that. But he goes to college with her. Oh, what? Yeah. He do- oh, all right. Nope. This, this. Oh, yeah. Those kids need to get out of that house. <laughs> that. Because he's. Th- Come he- on. It's the 90s. Real estate is still affordable. Rent is still affordable. They go I to, knew a yeah. guy in the 90s who was making $5 an hour and still had his own apartment. They're all at school together. The brother and his girlfriend. And yeah, and that's Kara, right. They're all yep. there. And, and she's like, oh, my God, I left my term paper at home or something. He's like, just fucking copy your term paper. That's what I always do. And as they're leaving, they, we run into the brother's girlfriend. And she's like, oh, what the fuck's going on? I'm like, oh, bloody nose. I'm like, oh, hey, it must be an open secret that dad likes to beat the children in the house. And then mom's just catatonic about it. Just like, oh shit he's doing it again poor mom as we find out later this is not one of, this is clearly one of those this is my household you just live here relationships oh uh by the way when came to what's his name loomis <laughs> when came to loomis's house to offer him a job back at the hospital again but oh when is the him. is the guy who immediately is identifiable as going to be the bad guy in this movie this guy only plays douchebags have you ever seen him as anything else no not really i i was trying to remember where i knew him from I'm like where the fuck have i seen him i'm like oh he's liar liar he's the guy who owns the fucking law firm yeah and then he's also in a movie called speechless with gina davis and michael keaton and he plays a politician in that and of course it, it it's one of the it's one of those movies fairly honest as far as i can tell where uh <laughs> all the politicians are pieces of shit kara then they're they're walking to school and kara asks 
the girlfriend why who's that fucking weirdo over there and why is he so weird and what's going on and they're like that's tommy doyle did some weird shit and then that old lady out in the out in the front yard she can't hear anything which will not entirely true yeah she's definitely hard of hearing but she also ignores some shit deliberately that it it only turns out later she's just having full-on conversations with that kid i think she can hear just fine yeah i yeah she's she's probably just pretending she's faking so that she can dig in deep with the with the undercover she's she's undercover in the community of course it's an old lady too you know how them old ladies love love to support their cults so tommy's listening back to the recording that he made of jamie calling into the radio station and then we we don't hear it we don't hear anything we just hear her talking and then he rewinds it and then all of a sudden there's all this like station noise in the background and that's when he shows up at the train station and then eventually he makes his way i'm like guys oh uh loomis had has already learned that jamie's dead by the way they immediately identified her despite the fact that she had no identification and is already believed to be dead maybe she's uh, maybe that nurse lady's on win's payroll and she was supposed she was she was the only one who knew yeah but the nurse lady is also dead no not that nurse lady the nurse lady who tells them when because they're at the hospital oh oh well yeah i guess you could be right not Um, that hospital because that hospital's abandoned i'm pretty sure because nobody's ever there no but but i mean you could be right when is he's probably got far-reaching uh uh, influence you know he he could he's got he's got a woman he's got tommy's landlord staked out for some reason i I mean you talk about playing the long game this is a woman who's a long time resident of the neighborhood which means she was planted there before michael was born or she was recruited after the fact i guess but i'm not entirely sure how it works because when later says like oh you discovered it when he's talking to loomis about pure basically pure unadulterated evil yeah but i mean the implication is that you know we're looking for it when they explain the thorn mythology when tommy explains the thorn mythology he's he explains that the evil of the tribe or something like that is is put upon one family so that they suffer and everybody else benefits from it. Which means that before Michael killed anybody, he was selected by the cult. Fuck, I was so bored. I just kind of checked out. That's that's really good. I, where's that? It's not a bad... Con- conceptually, it's not bad, but the problem is it doesn't make sense within the structure of the story we've already gotten up to this point. So they basically have to ignore all of that and pretend like it didn't happen or that it somehow does make sense with the mythology they're coming up with now so like yeah like that would have been great in a different movie if they jumped on that in part two and we learned that yeah. jamie's his fucking sister yeah then it's like okay that is his sister that would have made more sense but or if they had written it if they had backfilled it in a way that made sense going back to where like the story stayed consistent but still revealed these new ideas to us but I think I think it's, it's a better idea just to pretend that these movies don't exist. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the be- that's the better rewrite. How does nobody see the blood trail going from the fucking payphone to the bathroom? Yeah, nobody noticed that. I mean, the place has been open and conducting business. It's clearly at least nine in the morning. I'm going to say like like absolute earliest nine in the morning because remember it's october in illinois which is at the same latitude roughly as we are so so given the brightness of the outdoors at this point i say it's got to be nine o'clock in the morning somebody is going to be like um hey somebody's nose was bleeding all the way from here into the bathroom yeah there's a lot of fucking blood it's it's super obvious you're telling me in this busy bus station nobody walked into that bathroom and went ew somebody clean that (laughs) No, not once, because it's just Illinois. Who gives a shit? (laughs) 
uh, and it leads Tommy to the bathroom, right? He's just, he follows it, goes to the bathroom, and then we hear, Wah! and then he's like, oh, hey, there's a baby in the cupboard. I think I'm going to take it. And then he walks out of there hunched over. This is clearly not his baby based on the way he's holding it. He clearly <laughs> found this baby, picked it up, and is walking out of the bus station with it, looking around like fucking Renfield in one of the Dracula movies. But nobody ca- nobody cares. Obviously, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> and no one stops him. And he's talking to it, too. It's really funny. He's like, it's okay. It's okay, man. Just the he actually says that. It's okay, man. Anyways, we're going to cut to cut to the school where the brother, the girlfriend, and Kara have made it. It's college, but it definitely kind of plays off as high school because the brother's really immature. It's got a high school. Like, I honestly thought she was walking them to school, like, in my memory. And then you said, no, no, they're going to school together. And my memory was like, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. And then Kara drops all her shit, and when the girlfriend helps her pick it up, she finds a picture that Danny drew of the whole family being stabbed to death. By the th- by, this big amorphous darkness called Thorn. That's so cute. Oh, and then the, ooh, you fucking, the, bro- the brother does the worst Beavis and Butthead impression I have ever heard in my entire life. It, it was pretty terrible. And that's when I wrote down, I kind of hate this movie. Not that, like, Beavis and Butthead is some fucking sacred thing. It's not that. No. It's just like, good lord, is that where we're going? <laughs> it's not even funny. Like, No, it's not. It's terrible. Like, where did that come from? That was improv, and they only had one take, so he's they're just like, fuck it, leave it in. And you have, like, he's not, he's doing a really bad impression, so you have to kind of be like, wait, what's he doing? <laughs> oh, oh, like, is that supposed to be Beavis and Butthead? But yeah, he's like, ah, cool. I think it's cool. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. I know what you're doing. Leave. Go home. Nobody likes you. Don't really want you to die, but... No, I, I, I just want him to leave the scene. <laughs> then Tommy, Tommy, we're back to Tommy. Tommy goes to the hospital and he's yelling at this nurse. He's like, get me help with the my baby, my baby, something, something. But he runs into Loomis instead. And then and again, when he walks in, he's hunched over this baby. has a wild look in his eye. Like, I just kidnapped this baby. I need to find a room to do some horrible things to it. Check this baby for diseases to make sure that it's safe to eat, please. (laughs) Exactly. He looks like he's about to consume this baby's flesh. It's terrifying. Nobody should let this man walk by with a baby. Anybody who sees this man with a baby needs to immediately take it away from him. He is clearly not up to good business. And he, uh, of course, runs into Loomis and shit, and he's like, I'm Tommy Doyle. And Loomis is like, oh my god, you're Tommy Doyle. And he's like, yeah, I just said that. (laughs) Tommy has ideas, and he's like, he tells Loomis to meet him at the party later. There's a big party happening. It's the first one in six years and shit. Cut to back home. Mom is cleaning shit up. She finds the axe on the porch. She's on the porch. She's home alone. dad did put there, so she she doesn't react to it or anything. Although she does kind of like, she's like, what the fuck? This is an axe. I'm going to put it away. And she's probably thinking the same thing we were. Why did he chop the sign down? Why didn't he just pull it out of the ground? What a dickhead. Because he's not there, so she's allowed to have those thoughts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not when he's around, though. No. (laughs) That's that's thought crimes. That's big brother shit. Her her place is to be subservient to his wills. No, she goes down to the basement. The dryer doesn't work. It fucking, it's flooding and bouncing around and banging and shit. So she takes the wet laundry upstairs. No, it's not the dryer. It's the washer. Is it the washer? Yeah, because when she pulls it out, it's fucking soak she pulls oh, that, it out that of makes a more sense. washer and it's not draining is the problem and so she pulls it out and then she's like fuck and then suddenly a hose breaks or something like that and it just gushing water all over the floor which by the way it must be a very small basement because later on when we see the basement floor it's like an inch and a half deep in water 
and uh, uh, washing machines don't hold that much water. <laughs> Which leads to the most positive murder in the whole movie. Tommy also told Loomis that, like, oh, the Strodes, the people that are related to the people who adopted fucking uh, Lori are living in that living in the fucking Myers house and shit. And that, that so that's why Loomis then shows up, tells the mom, he's like, I'm 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 here to help. I'm gonna save your ass, and she. <laughs> They they introduce him as they introduce so many characters throughout this movie. Boo! With yeah, exactly. With the jump scare musical strike, you know, like as if he's about to murder her. It this oh my god this and the, the awful part is is there's a jump scare where Michael shows up later. <laughs> no musical cue. No musical cue. I mean, at least they don't use a cat or something. <laughs> but they're they're da. You know, every single time a character steps into frame in this movie. Yeah, I was not scared. I was upset by this movie because the shit that's actually scary is is real and upsetting, and I didn't like it. The abusive father, the creepy, rapey radio host, the the guy with PTSD that is left untreated, so he's a fucking weirdo. And then all the shit that's supposed to be scary isn't. <laughs> it was kind of scary in those first three Michael Myers outings, right? Like, he, he actually sure. was intimidating, and yeah. then five comes around, and he was probably still scary, but that movie was so boring I couldn't fucking... Well, that that was symptomatic of a, a, a problem, which is that they were losing track of telling the story properly... You know, as evidenced by the fact that they killed off what the fuck's her name? Um, uh, the 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 cool final girl from the four that yeah. I can't remember the name of. They just unceremoniously killed her off after completely undermining her character, which was kind of fun to do in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two because you weren't expecting that shit. Yeah, I yeah. If if we hadn't already seen that before, that's one thing. But like, even she said when she came back from it, she was like, "Well, I expected they were going to kill me in this movie, but I expected they were going to at least leave my character intact." <laughs> which they didn't okay we, I, we don't <laughs> need to rehash five you can go back and listen uh, to that episode oh god Fucking, then tommy then gives the baby a name he's like steven you're steven as he's like cleaning the thorn symbol off of his stomach except he says it way he's like you're steven <laughs> and and this is where i wrote down i'm like the baby hasn't eaten yet nobody's fed this baby yeah i don't, I don't know if they feed him in the entire how is movie. this baby not starting the no they which they do eventually tommy tries to and fails yeah, but then but that happens way later. Kara, so I, is I it Kara? Yeah, Kara comes over and takes the baby's like, I got it. And she's like, see, just needs a mother's touch. But she doesn't feed the fucking baby. <laughs> she just rocks it a little bit. Oh, so nobody feed really nobody ends up actually oh my feeding god. the baby at any point during this movie. That's fucked up. Oh, my God. OK, this poor starving baby. So, it's been days now that's well, not now but... it's been like a whole 24 hours at least uh so loomis then we you know he tells he tells the mom that this is this is mike this is the myers house and mom's not super happy about that and then she calls up her husband and i think it's the first time she's ever talked back to him yeah and he's like what the fuck are you saying to me you should be lucky that i don't fucking slam your head into a goddamn wall every night this oh this fucking guy jesus i hate him so good much. for her though like she stands up to him like you know so like I mean, you know, it w- it would have been good if she hadn't let it go that far. But at, at least she does, you know, kind of like get pissed off with him and be like, that was really shitty and we're leaving. So Danny is also he's walking home. He's like a sad, lonely kid. And it's also the mid 90s. So they're just letting this like eight year old kid fucking walk home from school by himself in a town that is known infamous, for murders. Yeah. On Halloween of children, <laughs> not super young children generally, but with well, teenagers, but you know, still, so. that's funny because I always go back to like, well, like I was kind of that kid in the 90s, even after the Zachary Ramsey disappearance, who was a kid who was my age and he fucking disappeared. And mom just like, make sure to check in every once in a while. 
Well, you know, statistically, if one kid got taken, that means you're less likely to get taken. So, you know, we're good. The 90s. <laughs> it was a, it was a different time. It really was. <laughs> so he's got his giant pumpkin because it's Halloween. Obviously, he's walking back from school and he he kind of stops and he sees this dude standing there in black. And then he gets then he gets startled by Tommy. You're right. They just kind of introduce people. Who by steps like, out like a fucking molester. He's like, sorry about your pumpkin, Danny. I've got one in my van. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> And then you next thing you know, he's in his room. He is in his fucking he's room. He's in Danny's oh room. And Danny's like, this is my friend Tommy. That's when we cut to the mom calling the dad at work and shit. And then Michael, this is where the mom gets killed. She Michael stalks her through the house. It's, it's more of the same stuff, but it is, like you said, what you kind of would rather see. And it ends well. Um, I mean, great, great kill shot i it, it's uh it's visceral and it's bloody but it's not it's not gratuitous i have a question in the middle of this little stalking scene she gets a phone call and she answers it and a gravelly voice says we want the child which child yeah it doesn't really make sense that they would call her because what would she even fucking know about it do they want danny because he's the one who's all psychically connected and hearing voices or do they want the baby they want the baby because Danny, they've pretty much already got Danny. Like, like, like they're at this point. What they're doing to Danny is to convince him to become the next Michael. They don't want to take him. They want him to start killing people. Oh, it's so weird. None of this makes any goddamn no, sense. No, it doesn't. It's so haphazard and janky and and there's ill-conceived. Like, there are a lot of good ideas yes, here. This is there better, are. There's there's such a cool movie in here. Yeah, the seeds of greatness were within what they were doing here. They just fucked it up catastrophic. So Kara gets home. And all the doors, well, the the doors like locked, and then she unlocks, it, and then it's like chained. But mom's dead, so she can't open it. So that fucking yeah, you know. But Danny and Tommy are still inside. She eventually makes her way in through the back door. She like starts stalking around to the back of the house. Danny let Tommy in his back door. Yes. <laughs> gross. My real question is, why are all their knives like that? Did you see the fucking dish rack? No. <laughs> handle. Were they all like blade up? Yes. Handle first. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? They're all What like kind that. of maniac puts their knives in blade out? Like, I feel like she was going to fucking shove her husband's face into him later. <laughs> maybe maybe subconsciously she was waiting to do that. Holy she was, like, shit. looking for the opportunity. Could you blame her if she was? I don't think I could. <laughs> I couldn't at all. With that prick, no. But then, you know, Kara makes it up to Danny's room, and he's hanging out with Tommy. It's just creepy. Tommy's not even looking at him. They're not even looking at each other. They're both sitting on opposite ends of the bed, facing in opposite directions. Yeah, it's super weird. Super and, weird. And he's huddled over the fucking baby again. Holding it like a maniac. Like, literally, like like it's like it's some dish he can't wait to <laughs> dig into. He's just, he's just like, mm, that baby cue is going to be good. And this is where the some of the shitty editing comes into play, because he's like, do you know whose room this used to be? Cut to Phantom of the Opera. Holy shit, they're in Tommy's house. What the fuck? <laughs> the, yeah, like, there was there was a whole scene that got cut out there, for sure. That was really weird. I didn't like that. That was very jarring. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, there's a lot of really jarring editing decisions in this movie that just make you go... Well, that was a choice. Because it all happens too fast. I'm like, why the fuck is Danny watching that old shitty movie? Not a shitty movie, but you know, why is Danny watching that old movie? And then it's not. It's the old lady watching the old movie because they're in Tommy's house now. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Now we're up in Tommy's room. And then Danny sees fucking Michael. Oh, my God. What the fuck's going on? He sees him out the window for the listener once they get up to Tommy's room, which Tommy's room looks like it's straight out of fucking seven. I Why you would ever let someone take you into that room? And not immediately run away screaming. I don't know. Because compared to her abusive father, 
Tommy's just a nice guy. Yeah, but Tommy looks like he's got that sizzling underneath, you know, the surface somewhere. The weird thing is, like, he's the fucking hero of the movie. Supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is. He does literally beat Michael into submission at the end. Not to death, but you know into unconsciousness so yeah like he does step up and 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 he saves the final girl which you're not supposed to do in these movies but whatever i agree with john carpenter fuck the tropes you know just tell a good story and they they don't they don't do either of those (laughs) things they don't they drop the ball on both of those points in this movie (laughs) and then tommy tells kara about the pagan rituals and shit and they mispronounced sawan again yeah they're back to sam again which they fixed it already. They fixed it in five, or yeah, they fixed it in five. Oh, did they bring it back? I couldn't remember. No, in four, they no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I'm in wrong. In two, I remember. In, in two, two that's they where co- they, said they go with Sam, Sam Hain, and then in four, they corrected it to Sawa. Oh, okay, good. And then th- now they brought it back to Sam Hain again. I can understand Tommy mispronouncing it though, because he's probably only read it in books and seen yeah, it on and, the internet. And who the fuck is going to look at that and be like, "No, that's definitely Sawin." Yeah, it's got to be pronounced Sawin. But then maybe you hear it's an Irish word, and you're like, "Oh, that's cheese doodles." <laughs> yeah, because they like to do that. Danny's downstairs already. What the fuck? He ran away from the room for some reason, and he's just talking to the old lady who supposedly can't hear anything at all. He hears the voice again. Just like the other boy who has. Oh, that's what that's what she says. The the old lady says he hears the voice, you know, just like the other boy who lived in that house. Yeah, the old lady is suddenly making Tommy look a little more normal all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like she just turns. She goes from zero to crazy. She was apparently babysitting Michael the night that it happened too. Yeah, that's what she says. Um, Although I I thought the sister was babysitting Michael. Yeah, I'm like, happened. there wasn't an extra person in that house. Uh, okay, sure. We're just retconning shit. That's where we're gonna go. We're gonna cut to this Halloween party and this party. She's a bunch of college assholes. Well, like, it's not a bunch of college assholes is, because she mentions this is a pretty lame party. I got. Well, I I don't know. I didn't think this party was much. This was not such of a much as they say well it's funny because small town parties like this get fucking rowdy as shit i'm from a semi-small town and oh yeah small town people like this, know how to turn yeah. up the turn up the irresponsible craziness like i my point of reference is is more redneck than this so obviously you know like i don't i'm not it's not a one-to-one but like i know like the smaller the town the cr- the harder the people party back to rob zombie when he came to great falls he's like i didn't realize you people were going to be like this <laughs> <laughs> He played like a 40-minute encore because nobody wanted to leave. Because <laughs> nothing fucking happens in Great Falls. So you got to go hard when it does. So when a bona fide rock star comes through, you fucking, yeah. And he's like, you got to go home sometime, people. Uh, but yeah, so the radio host, he makes an appearance. He's dressed as one of the men in black people guy. But, you know, he doesn't know that. He's just a creepy fucking weirdo in a trench coat. And then he pulls it off and he's he's only got his boxers on underneath. Which has to be cold. It's Illinois in October. I know. I'm like, dude, you, you're committing and you're complaining to your fucking handlers or whoever sent you out there. That's your fault for being a dick. <laughs> uh, then we cut to dad. Cut cut back home. Dad comes home. He's drunk as fuck. Because after his little conversation with his wife over the phone, he immediately takes out the alcohol because he's just a very well put together man. You know what this guy needed to do? He Go needed, to therapy. Well, that too that too but they really should those two should have gotten divorced decades ago oh absolutely they were clearly stuck in a loveless marriage of submission and fear and he needed to get out so he could go live the life that he thought he wanted and realize that he was that he was the problem not her and then she could be free to actually go out and try and find somebody who wasn't an abusive beast and the kids would have been sad and upset and traumatized i understand that they would but 
less sad, upset, and traumatized than they were by a lifetime of that horrible, abusive relationship. He walks in. He's like, I'm home. Like she is, will be yeah. waiting there to kiss his feet. No dinner. <gasps> what a prick. And then he's like, she actually left. He's talking to himself like people do. I mean, people do. But it's always, it's always, I know for myself, like I'm speaking from my experience. Obviously, I can't speak for other people's experience. But I find that when I start talking to myself, it's deeply rooted in insecurity. So it actually, I mean, it does check out for this guy. There's, this guy is definitely got that insecure hyper masculinity like gotta be in charge and be the boss and be the the you know be in control of shit because he's so fucking scared (laughs) that his whole life is gonna fall apart i don't want to be in control of anything i'm fine that's why you're so goddamn (laughs) mellow Uh, i have my moments i freak out video games bug me and you know it's well okay maybe not in the case of video games but you know that if you're (laughs) freaking out outside of that like in, in a real life situation you know it's an insecurity reaction but yeah, the lights go out in the house. He then goes downstairs. He's trying to, I guess he's like looking to see if a breaker broke. A breaker broke. The end of a breaker tripped. I love how they never explain why the washing machine is going. He just goes, power's out, but washing machine's going. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, oh, okay, but what's the fucking explanation? <laughs> there is none. Cult magic. Yep. The thorn magic is keeping the washing machine spinning. He goes over there and he, he walks. And this is where the basement's all flooded, too. He walks over there, opens it up, and what's in there? But red stained sheets and shit. Because, yep, blood. There's blood in her. And I mean, you know, like, understandably, it freaks him out a little bit. But I expected him to, like, pull her head out or something Me like too. that. Me, too. Like, what the fuck? Like, that, the washing machine, like, the rim of the washing machine was, like, sprayed in fucking blood. We needed the body, the whole body intact for the reveal later. And then I wrote down, blood puddle! <laughs> there it is. Um, and then Michael pops up, and he gets stabbed and, like, carried over with a knife, which is awesome. I'm like, good, fuck this guy. And then he gets fucking electrocuted. That's a good Michael kill. Uh, I didn't hate that kill. It's not the best kill of the movie. The best is is the mom for me. But um, And then his head explodes. Certainly the most satisfying. Yes, because his head <laughs> fucking detonates. It's the most gratuitous, Garrett, really. It's so ridiculous. And so, which makes it my favorite kill, because it's the one person that I hated the most in the movie also. And it's ridiculous, and I love a good head explosion. Is it you know? the most satisfying kill? probably yeah for sure i mean the head explosion plus the fact that he's the biggest douchebag in the movie yeah <laughs> fuck him yes. very satisfying kill i just i'm just saying like from a from a from a cinematic standpoint from a, what i wanted this movie to be standpoint the mom kill is the one that i was hoping was going to be the whole movie but was only that one scene so we're back at the party girlfriend and the brother are on stage with the douchey radio guy and he's and the girlfriend's costume is doing it for me she's dressed as uh the bride of frankenstein and her boyfriend's dressed as a douchey hipster frankenstein with his long hair and shit. <laughs> <laughs> she looks good though very 90s <laughs> But I um, liked it. I mean, I'm a child of the 90s. What can I say? She's basically talking about how they want to take the holiday back because they shouldn't be, like, basically oppressed. I I understand because she's a young person. It's not their fault that a bunch of people got murdered on Halloween several times. I just had, as I was watching this particular scene, I had the thought of this scene, it, it, it actually encapsulates kind of the whole issue with this movie. Like, she's so serious in that 90s way it's more of a gen x thing than it was the uh the elder millennials who were teenagers at that time you know it's more of a gen x type of seriousness but like she is exhibiting that seriousness and he is exhibiting the reaction to that seriousness that came out of the 90s culture which was just utter disrespect and that sort of encapsulates the problem with this movie like the movie 
takes itself too seriously and then utterly disrespects the franchise as a whole and everything that was good about this franchise. So like it simultaneously takes itself too seriously and is completely disrespectful of the established mythology of the world. And then this guy goes and he, what does he say? He's like, do you lead her around on a leash and bark like a dog or whatever? And I can't remember like exactly what she said to lead him to that but she's like oh she's feisty or yeah that's what that's what it was like she kind of snaps back at him about something he says and like isn't taking his shit and then he's like oh she's feisty you lead her around on a leash which does she bark at a dog like you while you lead her around on a leash or something and she is <laughs> she just gives him this fuck you you prick look doesn't say anything and then goes right back into her spiel but you could just feel the tension there uh it's it's actually it's a stupid scene but for what they're doing, it's executed well. Yeah, and I like her. Her character's yeah. okay. As far as, like, people who die in the movie that I'm like, oh, She's actually sort of represents a break from the tradition of kind of putting irritating teenagers under Michael's knife. Because not a lot of teenagers die in this movie. It's pretty much her and, her and the brother and... Well, and of course, uh, Jamie at the beginning. You know, it's like Jamie and her and the brother. And... Yeah, like they they were actually kind of good kids, you know. Like I didn't have a problem with it. Like they weren't irritating. The brother was a little annoying, but a little. He wasn't a bad guy. A little, but he was just kind of dumb in that teenage boy way. He wasn't like he wasn't an aggressive douchebag. He wasn't sexually assaulting anybody. He wasn't like date rapist in training, like so many of these guys in these movies, you know. Yeah, he was nice to his nephew, kind of shitty to his sister, but that's just kind of how their thing just kind of giving yeah, shit. Was, yeah, they they had the sibling thing going on, but. Overall, I didn't hate and nice either to of those his girlfriend. characters. Yeah, so I felt I felt a little bit bummed about that. And had good hygiene because he took a shower. Oh yeah, that's right. He immediately <laughs> took a shower, didn't he? Yeah. So also the most uncomfortable shower in the history of cinema. Did you see the way he was like it was contorted so, under that, that thing was so head? close to his head. It was so fucking weird. And he had the shower head pointed straight down. I was like, I was uh, all I could think was like, you can angle that thing up. It's got a swivel. The camera was right in front of it. They couldn't get it wet. They couldn't afford plastic bags. So they or just had him contort yeah. under it, like, like in the most unnatural pose. It was so weird. He looked like a snake, like twist some ancient sculpture yeah, of a snake was... god. So this is where she tells the radio guy, "Is like you know that he lives in the Michael Myers house, right?" Then the dude's like, "Oh shit, the Myers house. Well, that's where we're going." And she's like, "But why? Why are we leaving? You dick! You have to fucking throw candy to the kids." And he's like, "We'll be back." And this is the first that the boyfriend is hearing that he lives in the Myers Yeah, and he's house. like, what the fuck like, are you talking I about? I do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I do. Very nice of the dad to not tell anybody any of this. And oh, oh, also, it should be mentioned that we learned that the only reason they're living in the house is because his brother, who adopted, you know, uh, Lori, couldn't sell the house after all the shit that happened. I mean, living in that town... You know that shit is going to come up to your kids at school at some point. Like, how could it not? Yeah. You live in the house that this town is famous for, world famous for. You moved into that house. You're not going to tell your kids about it. What a douche. Yeah, they just have to find out on, on a stage. You know what? I don't even want to use the term douche for this guy because douches can actually be kind of nice. This guy's a fucking prick. <laughs> well, he's dead now, so fuck him. And then, I feel bad for the actor. The actor's probably a fine guy. I know. <laughs> he just played this horrible character. Unless he's really an asshole, then fuck him, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, if he is, fuck him. So the the radio guy gets fucking offed pretty quick here. He's in the dumbest kill of the movie because Michael's Mike, just Michael, in his car, who like, literally 
this guy just appeared in town somehow not only knew where (laughs) his car was to hide in it but also that this guy needed to die because he would eventually (laughs) transgress michael's house if left to his own devices michael is a psychic after all cult magic this is the dumbest kill of the movie this is the point at which i'm if if I were a younger man, I would have been throwing the the remote across the room and going, get the fuck out of here. I know, but we had to be professional because we had to watch it for the show. <laughs> uh, so the girlfriend and the brother, they get home and she tells him she 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 tells him about the Myers murder, who he which he apparently doesn't know anything about. Like, he seems very shocked that all this happened. But yeah, like, he grew up in this town. Yeah. What the fuck? It freaks him out that Michael Myers lived in his house. Oh, it would freak Rightly him out too. Rightly so. Yeah. If you found out you lived in Ted Bundy's or Charles Manson's old house, you'd be a little weirded out by it. Then we come back to the party, and this, this is where the movie, I'm like, dude, this movie is just, like, mean. There's no fun to be had here. Like I said, taking itself way too seriously while simultaneously disrespecting the franchise. Movies in the 21st century have like gotten this kind of thing right where it's like okay it's brutal but it kind of has to be right there's a little i don't have a problem with brutality i don't have a problem no. with, with cinematic cruelty i have a problem with having no sense of humor and no sense of enjoying what you're doing which this movie doesn't have this movie just has this need to to be taken serious yeah. it, it's almost desperate in its need to be taken they're seriously. just doing it to make you go oh my god that's annoying yeah not not, like not for valid story <laughs> reasons, not for valid character reasons, not none of that stuff. Everything in this movie is shoehorned in. Yeah, it's it's just terrible writing, terrible directorial decisions. And whether that was the director or the producers or a combination thereof, I don't know. But somebody was fucking it up hard. You know which part I'm going to talk about next, right? It's the little girl at the at the Halloween party. It's raining red. It's raining red and she's like dressed as an angel or something. She's all in white and that could have been such a good moment. I feel like if a better director in a better movie had done something like that it would have been like, "Oh god, that's fucked up." But it yeah. it's for a reason. No. The only thing it's we It's done so ham-fistedly. It's just a body reveal and it's really fucking messed up. And they they drag it out way too long. They don't they don't give us the little girl. What they give us is a voice of the little girl and then a really haphazard reveal of her. That could have been done so much better. Like like you like I'm sure you're already visualizing a better version of that as I am. And it could have been it could have been brilliant. It was a great idea for a body reveal. And then Tommy's there obviously. And then the body falls like almost right on top of this poor girl <laughs> from the tree. It's so bad. It's oh, such God. a it's, it's such it's mean, but like not it doesn't need to be mean. It shouldn't be mean because we already have the abusive dad. We have the we have potentially, you know, cousin fucking. And then someone just fucking, comes in and some rando who we've never seen before just comes in and scoops this little girl. It could have been fucking Michael for all we know. <laughs> Right. They're never identified. It's not like it's clearly the child's mother or father. It's just some rando comes in, swoops this child up, and everybody's screaming. This is where I was kind of like, I'm like, fucking, I'm done. I don't want to watch this anymore. But I had to. Also, this movie's less than 90 minutes, and it took forever. It does drag. We're even taking, we're taking forever to talk. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> like, that's how much... We're recapping it out of obligation at this point. Yeah. Uh, so Loomis shows up and obviously him and Tommy are like, God damn it. Let's let's go fucking save the world again. Back to the girlfriend and the brother who are getting ready to fuck in Kara's bed. Why? Uh, the girl requested it is the implication. Yes, because I'm sure. Because it's Michael's room. That the brother, he's going to take or a shower. Or it's the sister's room. No, it was the room where the murder happened. That's what oh, it was. Okay. It yeah. was the room where the murder happened. 
Because Danny himself is in Michael's right, room. Right, Danny's yeah. in Michael's room. So the brother's a dumbass, and he didn't bring a fucking towel when he was going to go take a shower. So he's like, hey, babe, can you bring me a fucking towel? I, I need you. It's his house. What the fuck? <laughs> and I wrote down, Michael's got you, boo. Yep. Because I'm <laughs> bored at this point. And he, ha- he hands him a towel because we've established in, pre- in previous movies that Michael's kind of a dick and likes to fuck with people. A little bit, yeah. He, he, he definitely has a... I mean, Michael historically has a sense of humor. He enjoys what he does. Michael loves his job. In this movie, though, the joy of Michael isn't there. Just the dickishness. <laughs> he's like, here's a towel, bitch. Dry off. <laughs> and then, he, and then you know, as he stands in front of the mirror, Michael jumps up behind him, slits his throat. In the worst fucking throat cutting scene, like, uh, nothing opens up. There's no blood, really. They, I mean, there's the bloodline across yeah, the it was, thing. It it, obviously, looking. they're squirting it. You know, they're squirting it out of the knife. There's not a lot of effect. I understand if you're working on a budget and stuff, but I, I don't know. I guess I don't hate it as much as just I don't hate these characters. Like, and that's not in keeping with the established structure of the franchises. Like, typically, we see characters that we don't like get killed, yeah. which, which did happen with the dad. In fairness, the dad and the DJ totally justifiable. Even the mom, to a degree, you know, because she's like she's allowing this to happen you know so like there's i mean there's some victim blaming there i understand but that was a 90s perspective not trying to argue the validity of that i'm just saying so like that's historically what we've gotten but then you bring these two kids who are are actually pretty nice and especially especially the girl the girl has has done nothing up to this point to warrant our ire you know and and michael kills her so unceremoniously in what could have been a really good kill scene which is fuck i forgot cara is across the way in Paul Rudd's perv window watching <laughs> and sees Michael come out and kill the girl. But it's done so poorly. Like, there's there's not enough buildup. We just suddenly, I mean, one moment they're talking on the phone, the next there's Michael, he kills her. There's no tension. There's no, there's no foreplay. This is just straight to fucking with no arousal. Like, you don't do it like that. I don't love the way you're like, if there's no foreplay, it's just fucking as little Danny's walking to the house over there. <laughs> I mean, you know, like using, use, using the analogy yeah. of like, you need to, you need to warm up. You need to, you need to get us in the mood for the killing. Like as much as I didn't like five, there was a stock and a, and a, and a, and a, and a build up to the kills in that movie. Now, it was, I didn't love it. It was more of a Halloween movie than this. Yeah, it was more of a, like this is just straight to the, you know, like there's the, like there's no there's no build up to 90% of this stuff. That's I I guess that's why the mom kill stands out as being so good because it's actually a real Halloween kill. Danny's hearing voices again and that's why he's in, that's why he ends up running over to the other house. Kara immediately goes over there again. There's no like there's nothing uh, she doesn't walk down the stairs she doesn't go out the door. God, I'm just thinking of how much more of this movie we have left to cover and I'm so depressed by it. So Kara goes over there, she's going and she's got to get her kid. She goes to the room where her brother and girlfriend where the brother where her brother and and his girlfriend are dead in the bed, a little body reveal whatever. She finds the, This makes this is them completely getting the cart or cart before the horse doesn't even encapsulate it <laughs> them completely fucking up the order of things because she just watched this girl get killed doing a body reveal after they watched him get killed is not the order yeah, if well, someone gets killed and you're gonna do a body reveal you do it to someone who doesn't know they're dead yet yeah that really doesn't make any sense like the brother she didn't know he was dead i guess but sure but why is she slowly approaching this bed like are you okay no she, you just watched her get her throat slashed open she's clearly not okay she finds danny but michael's right behind her 
So this is another chase. You know, not really not really being the best killer right now. He's just kind of there, not doing much. He is fucking it up so bad. I I I hate Michael in this movie. Yeah, which that's what I, I said. didn't not, think I would say. He's not scary. He's kind of a dumbass. He's making nonsensical decisions that that serve no purpose. Again, I come back to what I said before. In that first movie, Michael had a plan. And isn't he full on cult magic at this point? Like, why supposed he, to be? Why does he suck so much? Yeah, I, it's because the cult stole all his mojo. That's what it is. Oh, okay, put it all in Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> My God, fuck right off. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The, the dead mom body reveal happens, you know, same old, uh, same old shit. Uh, then Kara hits Michael in the head. At least that makes sense as a body reveal, because yeah. she didn't know her mom was dead. She hits Michael in the head with something, I'm not sure what it was, and then he falls down the stairs like a dumbass. Then he's at the foot of the stairs, and then here comes Danny coming from the opposite side, and then as Kara's walking over there, I'll help you over the body, I'm like, just jump. No, oh, this scene <laughs> is so bad. She's like, stay right where you are stay right where the I dead body is right next to you stay standing right next to that serial killer who is clearly not dead the yet. not dead body yeah the, just, just while i slowly step over you rather than use this weapon i'm holding right now to pin him through the throat or something get the fuck out of here she's a mom okay if there's one thing that having a single mom taught me it's single mothers will fucking lay you out if you fuck with their babies she would not be just letting Michael lie there and potentially kill her child. She would be about ending him at that point. That is her <laughs> right. baby on the other side yeah. of him. Get the fuck out of here with this shit. Yeah, we're, we're firmly in the land of... Bad screenwriting. It's bad screenwriting. No, nobody in any of these movies knowing what the fuck's going on. <sighs> this movie is totally lost. Where every Sydney is making fun of this girl when she's talking shit in in Scream. You know when she's like, "Why <laughs> yeah. do the girls do this dumb shit?" Yeah, absolutely. No, it, and of course, this is the like after this point, the movie goes completely off the rails, and it's like, well, who honestly, who cares? And I'm like, sure, we're having fun now, I guess, but not really. We should be having fun. Once we go back across the street, it it. It's just fucking logic has left the building. <laughs> so, yeah, they do run out of the house. They go across the street. <laughs> we, get to, we get back to Tommy and Paul Rudd says, where's the baby? Where's the baby? And he says it really weird. And the baby's gone. The man in black is there and it's win. Why? Who cares? It's because nobody knew what the fuck they were doing. So they just decided to bring back a random character from the first movie. Yeah. And then he's telling Loomis, you discovered it. Like, again, doesn't fucking make sense. <laughs> and everybody's in on it i guess when the old lady shit because the old lady you know carrot carrot goes up to the old lady and the old lady has the baby by the way she has the baby oh is she the one who had yeah. that's right okay i'm sorry you're right i i fucked it up and then kara gets tossed out the window or jumps no kara jumps out the okay. window and lands michael style obviously yeah. obvious throwback to that first movie and then tommy and loomis they both wake up and t tommy's like no like no 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 they don't wake no, up. No, they don't wake we up. We just they do a hard cut. You're right. You're right. They go out there and she Kara's gone. And then he's like, I feel like I've been drugged. And Loomis is like, you have been drugged. So apparently they woke up at some point. <laughs> yeah. From something. We just do a hard cut. And then he's like, why did they let us live? Because it drives the story forward at this point. That's why. It, uh, it's so fucking stupid. Then Kara wakes up in, in some room. And then Tommy and Lewis show up. It's an, it's the hospital that Michael escaped from at the in the first movie. Yeah, which remember was like a day's drive away from Haddonfield, and yet they still get to it in like fifteen minutes. 
like it's downtown Haddonfield or something. Loomis has a gun, and Tommy's like, that's not going to work on Michael, and he's like, he had no shit, but Wynn's still a person. I'm like, right on. I love how he's like, he's kind of surprised by the reveal of Wynn being the bad guy still, and he just kind of giggles and says Wynn as he walks off camera. Like, Donald Pleasance is not at his best, but he's- Pleasance is still great. Like He's hamming it up. Like He is, but when Donald Pleasance hams it up, I'm there for it they just did him wrong on the script and the editing and everything they 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 really screwed him over like i could accept the cheesiness if they had had an interesting and fun and engaging story arc like four you know or or even five with pleasance's madness you know like his madness in five i could get behind yeah like him taking jamie to the house and shit like all right the movie's stupid but i could get behind that (laughs) pleasance is bringing his game to it it's it's a hammy game, but he's bringing it, and they're, the director's giving him nothing. So yeah, Loomis goes to fucking Wynn's office. Wynn's like, oh, it's about time, and yeah, you discovered the evil nonsense, whatever. Someone knocks him out. Loomis, someone knocks him out. Oh, and then Loomis also says Madman really weird. There's a lot of people saying shit that doesn't say... Does he say it like Madman? Yeah, Madman. You're a <laughs> Madman. <laughs> That's Pleasance, man. Then Tommy hears a woman screaming. He goes through the maximum security area and says it he's like maximum security like, no he like we can't read no he goes maximum security like he's making a statement because it says maximum security and then he pushes the door open no lock he's like maximum security sure <laughs> uh then a woman just like pops up out of one of these rooms and i'm pretty sure a baby got cut out of her at some point because she's all bloody on no the she just got stabbed Th- this woman talk about makes no fucking sense well why is she here what are they doing are they just like fucking with people at this point well i think ostensibly she's one of the inmates of the place but she's walking around free and she's been stabbed but she's not acting like she's in pain is this place active still i I think that's the idea yeah it's still active like it's still an like when says he wants to hire pleasance to come back and work for him there so it's it's still a place like that that's why i kind of figured like a baby was cut out of her but yeah you're right just kind of stabbed no yeah i think michael just stabbed her because she's like he's here he's angry and then she's like she's like giggling about it and then she's just like dead because again he fucking he just reacts weird he's like oh 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 shit <laughs> i'm like what the fuck yeah uh, yeah paul rudd's rudd making some choices. um i would love to hear a commentary from paul rudd on this movie recorded yes. now oh my god please I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go down some YouTube rabbit holes here and see if we can find anything. Um, Kara, probably okay. this is probably his whatever. This is his Angus for Vanderbeek. You know, like just doesn't want to talk about. <laughs> Never it. talks it's about like, it. Yep. We don't. No, I'm not discussing the curse of Michael. Martin, I wasn't in that fucking movie. Kara then apparently hears Tommy somehow. She screams for him. He tries to break the door open with his fire extinguisher. Here's another great acting choice on the on the part of Paul Rudd. He's trying to break the thing, break the doorknob, and there comes Michael, and then he looks over at Michael. And then he goes, ha, 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 and then he starts hitting the fucking door again. <laughs> and he does do that, right? He just yes. like laughs, <laughs> but it it's not like a it's weird. I don't know. No, it's it's a madness. Like again, Rudd is making choices. They're the wrong choices, but he is making choices here. So at least it's enjoyable in that sense. That it's <laughs> it, like, what the fuck is what, why? It's it's interesting to see an actor who you know can do good work do such catastrophically bad work. It's like uh. it's like watching Travolta in The Fanatic. Like you <laughs> okay. know Travolta's capable of good acting. You know he he he's he's capable of bringing a character, and he is 
doing such he's making choices and they're horrible choices and yeah he can act i've seen it happen so michael gets to them just as tommy opens the door this is where this is another reason another part where i'm like god he's fucking useless they literally step right in front of him and he like swings his arm he's like yeah i'm bored with this now i just don't want to anymore <laughs> and he can't be bothered to like lunge no he just <laughs> he just he just stiffly waves his arm and they happen to to be seven millimeters too far and dodge past. It's so stupid. He's yeah. so lame in this movie. And then they, you know, Michael, uh, not Michael. Michael uh, was scary once, remember? He was, he was terrifying. <laughs> oh, God. Especially yeah. in that first movie, because, like, we knew so little about him. Yeah. Uh, so they get away from Michael. They make their way into the steamy room, because it's the 80s again, apparently, even though it was 1995. Uh, <laughs> but eventually, they make it to this operating room, I guess, where the baby is being sacrificed no what are they doing? i don't know what's going on in that operating room but the baby's not in it the baby is in the room with them next to it okay which is like an observation room outside of the operating what the room fuck are they doing in there why are they they're, getting all it looks like up? they're prepping for something but it that's there's no thought, indication what that's why i thought they were like medically sacrificing this baby yeah and Maybe that was their intention, but the baby wasn't in there and they were all scrubbed up and decontaminated. So obviously you don't scrub up and decontaminate to kill someone. Danny's in the room too. Little Danny. Catatonic. Yep. Why? Catatonic little Danny. Who fucking knows? Then she's like, Danny. And then Tommy flips the fuck out. I don't know what even. I'm like, what the hell? Did he see Michael coming or did she say Danny just like a little too loud? Because she didn't say it. Nobody could hear her. He fucking know. tackles her over the <laughs> sink. It looks yeah. like he's trying to fuck her from behind. He's got his mouth over her, his, his hand over her mouth. Yeah. And <laughs> like no reason. She didn't even yell Danny. She was like, Danny. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then, of course, Michael walks through like. So is, are we supposed to interpret that as he saw that Michael was just about to enter the room and wanted to silence her? But but Michael wasn't visible at the time he tackled her. There's a few there's a few shots missing here, I think. Uh, yeah, I get the feeling you're right on that. Yeah, then there's Michael, but he's kind of useless, so it doesn't really matter that much. He just walks through the room. and I'm not even scared of Michael anymore. He grabs a machete. What the fuck do they have a machete in there for? Yeah, he grabs off of a surgical cart. Yes, off of a surgical cart. A machete. Yeah. Who is performing surgery with a machete? <laughs> this this silver decontaminated yeah, machete. Yeah, it looks like a medical instrument <laughs> machete, right? It's the dumbest fucking thing in the world. Oh, my God. The and medical machete. He goes into the operating room area where they all are, and then shit just starts happening. He just starts killing everybody. Why? At this point, the mo the movie has already gone so far off the rails with the editing and with the nonsensical choices. I'm not even questioning it anymore. I don't even care why Michael's killing everybody. It's just like, okay, the writers ran out of ideas for where to take the plot <laughs> next. So Michael kills everyone. He oh kills all the Thorn guys. Yeah. How did they keep him under control up till now if they didn't have some kind of power over him? It's, it's absolutely nonsensical. None of it makes any damn the sense. The only thing I could... As a stretch, as the stretchiest of stretches, <laughs> maybe because they have a scene right before they all go into the surgery room where the doctor says, you can take that costume off. One of them is wearing the ceremonial yeah, robes. Yeah. He's like, you could take that costume off. Halloween's over. Oh, and then that pisses Michael and off. So, and he's like, fuck you. Halloween's not over. Like, maybe that did something to Michael. Like, maybe he needs them to be in the ceremonial robes <laughs> yeah, in order to yeah. control him. I don't know. 
the rules are very very loosely established or rather not established and uh the movie doesn't make any fucking sense at this point so honestly who gives a shit so this little massacre this mini massacre that michael's going on it allows them to grab danny and the baby and make their escape the orderly though is following them it isn't so lucky so his head gets they, they they like go in through this like cell and they close the door and it's locked apparently and the orderly gets stuck outside of the door and then michael comes rather up on michael's side on michael's door, side yeah. yeah he slams this dude's head into the into the, the cell door and the door falls over but the the guy's body isn't there anymore is it like i couldn't see it <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if it just disappeared in the cut magically <laughs> I, and maybe I just wasn't looking hard enough. Like but he I kills swear to God, the, it wasn't there. He kills the guy by crushing his head into those bars, like like yeah. between them. And then yeah, like the cell door goes down, and then he fucking disappears. Okay, well yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. I missed it, but yeah, I could I could believe it at this point. It's be, you know why you know why it's because there was five more minutes of movie that happened between him crushing the guy's head in the thing and them getting to the cell doors that he thro- yes. that he knocks down and then they yeah. just they just spliced it right to those two points That's oh yeah you happened. know what it was the dude was still alive so michael had to like throw him off somewhere they end up in this room with like aborted babies or something yeah there's like all these babies in like these cases or some shit they're not even like like jars or anything they're, they're just like these boxes these clear glass squares i mean it would look kind of cool but at this point it's wasted effort honestly because i've already tuned out and there's like green shit everywhere i don't know michael breaks in and searches for them clearly a little bit of time has passed yeah there's these vials of green shit no explanation no about what and also are. it looks like split seconds like she sees the baby she sees the pagan thing whatever and then michael is in the door but then they have this whole fucking plan happening (laughs) it's so half-assed yeah like tommy tommy pops up as michael's kind of searching around you know he has what looks like the baby in his arms he's like i I, you know i give up you win you can have the baby and then just as just as tommy's about to hand the baby to michael the actual baby fucking cries (laughs) and then (laughs) that goddamn baby cries at the worst fucking time it doesn't, was almost fed once can't it shut the fuck up almost doesn't make any sound throughout the entire movie except that one point when people are looking for it it, it really yeah, wants it, to be it's found. only extremely <laughs> convenient or extremely inconvenient that's yeah. it and then it turns out though that tommy has all these needles full of this green shit like tied together like blade did in with, with that serum stuff to make <laughs> frost explode and then he stabs michael in the shoulder and like pushes all the plungers down we don't know what this green shit is for all we know it's super soldier serum he might he might have just supercharged michael this is theoretically the lab where they're growing these super babies or psycho babies whatever whatever. it is they're doing and that messes michael up a little bit i guess he like shakes his head he's like and then kara beats the shit out of him with a pipe for a second michael grabs her by the throat and she like looks like she tries to like take off his mask almost but then she kind of like yeah she's she's like she's like really got a grip under it like she's gonna rip it off but then doesn't her son danny he's like you get the fuck away from her but you know whatever he says leave her alone (laughs) and then oh man he had one second of balls on him and the second michael comes after him he's like mommy mommy." (laughs) (laughs) that's when tommy comes up behind him and stabs him again oh well well he kind of he kind of lures michael into this because he's hiding behind these two big like vats or something like that and michael can't quite reach him because like they're just close enough together that he can slip through but michael can't because michael's huge uh, and then that's when that's when Rudd sneaks up behind him and with the last needle right right in the back. Then Tommy ends up beating him, beating him with the pipe. 
Well, he gets him. They get him down on the ground somehow. He hits him. I think with it's with the pipe again. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Okay, so so Tommy's also got he's got he's, he's got the same pipe. It's the same fucking pipe that Kara yeah. had. Yeah, and then and then Tommy just like goes and goes and goes and goes and then Michael starts leaking this green well, yeah. shit out. Of and his I thought mask. it was. I, and I'm I'm immediately like he, he like hits him a few times and then Michael's kind of out on the ground and Tommy's about to walk away and he's like, you know what? <laughs> and he comes back and they the still, one time yeah. they make a good writing decision in this movie. Yeah, I'm like you don't stop until that head is fucking liquid. Yeah, <laughs> you you go drive on his ass. Like and then yeah, like, like he, Ryan Gosling in the elevator. Yes, and then he fucking he really does just he starts leaking green shit, and we don't. There's no explanation for that either because that's never happened before. Although you know, I mean, he did shoot him up with all the green shit. They're yeah. obviously using that to make the babies. So and I'm like, okay, so that means he has green blood now, like. Maybe he always did. I mean, technically, we've never seen him bleed before, do we? Yeah. He's also been shot in both eyes. Don't forget about that. Yes. Stabbed in one eye, shot in both eyes. So, except his eyes are still perfectly fine because you can see him through the mask. Yep. But, sure. <laughs> it's, a di- it's, it's a different Michael every time. Oh, there you go. Because they're creating these fucking weird soldiers. Yeah. Okay. So, so they keep, cl- they're cloning Michael is what they're doing. Yes. Michael actually died in the first movie. They stole the body, cloned yep. it. He came back for the second movie the next day. Yeah. I'm okay. Down. All right. I like that. At least that kind of makes a little bit of sense as to why. Yeah, that would actually make the mythology more logical, if anything. Why don't they throw that in there? The happy, the happy mask company, fucking, <laughs> or just Shamrock mask company, or <laughs> That's whatever. That's it. It's Silver Shamrock <laughs> behind the whole thing. They're the Thorn Cult. Oh, they would make sense, right? Like they're all working off of these pagan, this pagan. The silver, Sham- the silver shamrock in this universe is the thorn cult. That's what it is. Oh, I'm de- oh, that's such a better movie. <laughs> we redeemed the franchise. Just, okay, just that. I just that idea alone would make it work better. There we go. That's what we do. We come back. We make Halloween Seven. We call it <laughs> Halloween Seven, and it's Silver Shamrock the whole time. But there's we gotta, get Danielle yeah. Harris to come back. She's dead though. No, no, Danielle Harris, not Jamie. Oh, just Daniel Harris. She's just, <laughs> just, she's just there. Like, she's the new lead. So now the movie's going to end with like the hugest fucking whimper you've ever seen in your life. Oh my God. Because Talk about it. We see that Michael is all, he's air quotes dead and Tommy walks away, but then it just cuts to Tommy, Danny, the baby and Kara just Hard in a truck cut. ready to go. And they're like, come with us, Loomis. And he's like, no, I have stuff I got to do here. They're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then they go and then Loomis stays but he doesn't do anything because Donald Pleasance is dead in real life. So and they just. <laughs> so we cut back to where Michael was, pan down, show the mask just lying there where he had been lying. And then we hear Donald Pleasance, or probably a Donald Pleasance impersonator, yep. screaming, cut to black in memory of Donald Pleasance. I, I would have been insulted if I was Donald Pleasance's ghost, quite frankly. <laughs> the movie's over. Oh, God. What a ride. What a shitty that is the weakest ending I think maybe of any movie I've seen this year, which is saying something because I've seen some weak ass endings. Uh, that was that was insultingly bad. Yeah, that was a rough one, and I'm really disappointed. Yeah, that, th- yeah. this if you if you elect to watch this movie, and I I haven't watched the producer's cut, so it may be better. I don't know, but if you elect to watch the theatrical version of this movie. Please go in with the understanding that this is a bad movie and deserves to be treated as such. <laughs> if nothing else, Paul Rudd's fun to watch because of all the weird, weird choices he's making throughout this entire movie. Yeah. 
if you're a Paul Rudd fan, obviously you must watch this just so you have a basis of comparison because this we've never seen this Paul Rudd again <laughs> since. It's never happened. And I spent the whole movie laughing just because of that. And just well, not even laughing, just kind of like, why do he say it like that? <laughs> Like every time he talked, I'm like, why, why that way? Oh, why? every choice yeah. he makes, his body language, his his <laughs> mannerisms, his speech patterns, all of it is so completely wrong. And, and and God bless him. He, I respect the effort. I respect the risk he took in putting that out there. But that's what a director is there for: is to say, Paul, this isn't working. You know what? I'm glad that. Paul Rudd is now one of the biggest movie stars in the world, at least. I am too. So I got, love Paul Rudd. <laughs> I love almost everything I've seen. I honestly can't think of anything I have not loved Paul Rudd in except for this movie. And honestly, if I sat down and watched it from a non-critical standpoint and just kind of kind of stinker fested this movie, I'd probably have a hoot talking shit about Paul Rudd and these weird <laughs> performance choices he's making. And so I would probably love him for that too. Uh, but if you watch this movie sincerely, you will be so disappointed. Oh my God. It's not scary. It's depressing. It's so mean. It's mean spirited and not like, not, no, it's just, it's just mean spirited. A lot of it. And it's just, I hate, I hate it when movies just do that just because they can't think of anything else to do. Yeah. It's, it's way overly self serious. It, it takes itself seriously while being totally disrespectful of the franchise as a whole. It's just the worst of all possible combinations of elements that you can think of. The Again, the only thing I can really say it does right is the cinematography, which apparently is, an, is, is like just blind luck because they clearly <laughs> didn't go after an experienced film cinematographer they just lucked into this guy that they got who happened to be doing a lot of Ally McBeal which is fine I'm not I'm not trying to shit on this guy he did a good job this movie looks good it's edited horribly but it looks good but that's the only thing I can really say about it that is unironically good yeah and, oh and um excuse me the the, the actress who plays Kara it, she's actually making right decisions for her character She's working with bad scripted material, but she's doing a good job of acting. And some of the actors are, are, are doing a, a pretty good job, too. But, yeah, there's there's so many wrong decisions that just on every level going on here. Uh, yeah. Does that cover your final thoughts? Yes. Yes. Don't bother unless you just have to complete yeah, if the you're, Thorn trilogy. If you're a completionist, go after it. Otherwise, you don't need to. This is I, bad. I, this is so I'm bad. willing to say... The producer's cut may change my tune entirely. Have not watched it. I plan on watching it tonight with my son because he has not seen Curse of Michael Myers yet. And we're we always do a Halloween movie, and this is our last chance before Halloween. So I'll probably watch the producer's cut tonight with him. Do I'll it. let you know if it yes. improves anything. Oh my goodness! So yeah, that's Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers, an apt title. <laughs> I was just about to say how appropriate. Before we take off. How about some social media? Go ahead and follow us on everything at the Shark Pod. I think we still have an, an account over at X, but I haven't been on there forever. <laughs> so, you know. I, I have it linked up. I haven't posted anything on Instagram in a long time. I did link it so that when I post on Instagram, it posts to X. But, yeah, I haven't posted anything in forever. I have you. I don't know. I haven't been checking it. Fucking X. No. Uh, 
I think the last thing you posted was that picture of Dooley, huh? No, I I, I did an RIP to Mr. Burt Young. Oh, that's right. That's right. Patreon.com slash across Hollywood. Come listen to us talk about Friday the 13th, which, you know, overall those movies have been better than this. Better than this franchise. Better than this movie, for sure. Better than this movie, absolutely. Uh, Asylum stuff, fucking kung fu nonsense will be caught up eventually. We'll have them all to you by the end of the year. (laughs) Presumably. (laughs) We'll get there. It'll be all right. But hey, patreon.com slash Sharks Across Hollywood. Give us a dollar. Give us a thousand. You know the drill. Just just give us some stuff. There is a lot of stuff on there already for you to listen to. Come back next time when we talk about Brink. But until then, stay jawsome. 